I know the fix. There's me. And hold on, hold on. Uh, I can hear you, but they can't hear you. Hold on, hold on. Okay, check. I see us. Yep, I, I see okay. Us. I, I'm I, clapping. I, I see audio. I, I see the audio things doing things now. <laughs> I think we're good. I okay. I I'm hoping we're good. But but I've said that be before. Cool. We we got about sixty seconds in, and yeah, we see things. Be, we hear things. It'd be cool if it works. Right. <laughs> like a little bit. So if uh, we're audible too, that'd be nice. Ah uh, yes, we can hear you both. Hooray! Computers are fun. Yes, yes. I, it's always a good time. I, I, I thank myself every day for getting into them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and strangely enough, it's not the Linux PC that's breaking. So. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm running on Debian testing right now, and I've had no issues. Yeah. It's, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> all of a sudden, you're one of those Linux people that goes, you know what? It works every time with my system. I don't know what's... <laughs> Because, like, it's not like I haven't had 50 other problems getting Wayland to work with this thing, like, in the last two weeks. Exactly. So, yeah, no, exactly. it, it, we're good. Your, we're good. Your F3 key doesn't work either, but other than that, it's great. <laughs> there you go. That's how it works. <gasps> All right. Can, can we try this again? <laughs> Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 285. I'm Jeff. She's Veronica. Once we the live show... <laughs> Beer. <laughs> yes. What you drinking, Jeff? <laughs> I am drinking. Uh, now, funny enough, uh, I, I brought out my brand new bottle opener for this. So in case of DNS. Now, in this case, I don't think it was DNS. It may have been <laughs> DNS, but in case of DNS, open beer. So there you go. Uh, That's exciting. From Ninkasi down in Eugene, Oregon, we have the Wit Rapids Belgian White. Uh, nice little Belgian beer, five and a half percent. Local, local Oregon brewery. They are absolutely fantastic. And uh, this is one of their new limited releases that I have not tried before. So, okay, give that a whirl. Well, that sounds exciting. Yeah. Uh, I know you had a special drink that you were uh, yes. waiting to crack open. What do you got? So I, it is a school night, and so I'm I'm not having any alcohol tonight. But I did find this rose lemonade at a store called Target. It's local to the Minneapolis Twin Cities area. I, I've heard of it. Um, I've heard of it. Yes, you might have heard of it, and it's it's by a brand called Fentimins, and it's botanically brewed, Ooh. which I thought looked interesting, and it it says it's crafted so i figured it 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 works with the theme tonight it fits the bill uh, that's what i will say and, and i am <laughs> pouring it into my now vintage craft computing mug your, your og craft computing nice yes it's it's from before when before the the new stuff that you have on your store yes so. yeah and uh pint glasses will be making a return probably in the next two weeks or so so cool yeah I might get one of those because I like that etched look. That's, mm -hmm. It's a nice look look you got going on there. Yeah. No, the, the new glassware is turning out absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've got a couple test pieces, but I'm waiting on a uh, a new, new laser. Not uh, Kind of like Linus with his new, new, new Wannick. I, I have mm -hmm. laser, then I have new laser, and now I have new, new laser. Um, 
And by the time I move into the studio, I'm gonna have new, new, new laser because I'm I'm already shopping for that one. Uh, That's so cool. Yes. That's so fantastic. Yes. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so uh, all the glassware right now is being done on a a diode laser, and it's an incredibly painfully slow process the way I'm having to do it because there's pre-processing where we actually have to paint on an etching material to the glass, and then you have to let it dry. Uh, you can. You can fast dry it, but sometimes that leads to cracking, which will mean the etching won't be even. So it's best sure. to let it air dry. Once it's air dried, you can etch it. 95% uh, of them will come out of that looking fantastic. Okay. Then you have to wash it off. Now, unfortunately, the, the marking material is supposed to be water soluble. So you should be able to toss it in the dishwasher and it comes right off. But you have like this three hour working window. of sure. If you don't get it off in that amount of time, uh, Magic Eraser and, and a lot of elbow grease is basically your only option. Now, the etch turns out oh, no. beautiful, but there's like okay. 20 minutes of processing time per glass. And, and it's just not feasible to, to do that as a, you know, home business. <laughs> right. So we're getting yep, a laser the... that can etch glass directly and do it in like two minutes with no pre or post processing. That's so. so exciting. Yes. That's fantastic. It's super cool. I, I wish I had the space to do something like that for my merch store. It's mm -hmm. like, because that's when when we were shopping for our home we were never imagining like an entire like apparatus for generating merchandise right so, yeah, production studio like, and merchandise and editing yeah, rooms and <laughs> maybe next house yeah <laughs> it's not gonna happen here you know but one, it's it's very exciting one thing i'm actually thinking about doing is something that that again linus tech tips kind of threatened doing for a long time and that's opening up manufacturing capability to other creators. And mm. uh, so one thing that I might do once I have the permanent studio built and then the permanent workshop built is um, uh, open it up. So if you want to have me make merchandise and ship it, I'll take a, cool. a small commission because a lot of the stuff is actually fairly low cost, high profit. It's it's easy to keep on hand and it's print on demand. And so it's, sure. you know, you want to you want a pint glass with Veronica explains you got it because it's literally <laughs> the same <laughs> amount of work as doing a craft computing one. Um, right. Now, that's super cool. And so, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm craft looking at logistics in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's part of my my business plan moving forward is opening up, you know, merch manufacturing to to smaller creators. So, yeah, that's really and cool. making it affordable, because um, one of the biggest hurdles I ran into suddenly we're just talking shop, but this is fun. Mm -hmm. um, is uh, when I did print on demand with my last company was I would, number one, the prices were a lot higher than I wanted. They were like 20 or $25 for a pint glass oh, yeah. and $25 a mm -hmm. shirt. And I was only making two or $3 per sale. Uh, yeah. Now I can sell those pint glasses for like $12.50. I'm gonna make $8 per sale. And, and I get better quality control over the whole process as well. So. It right. No, that's exactly everyone. it. I've been I've been doing print on demand for like these shirts and the the shirts they you know like the margins are pretty tight. So it's one of those things where if I had the opportunity to get like a like a like a shop going or something mm -hmm. where I could print them and save a buck or two, it's like that could really I could pass that on to you know the web store and it would be fantastic. Right. Right. So yeah, I'm, 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 you're, what you're doing is super cool. <laughs> it you. looks really neat. Thank you. 
Anyway, uh, for those who don't know, uh, this is Veronica. Welcome to the show. And uh, you want to... It's so good to be here. Yes. Uh, do you want to tell everyone kind of who you are, what you do, and, you know, sure. what your passions and expertise are in? Oh, there's the Commodore. There you go. <laughs> so here's a Commodore 64, and these are fun. Um, my thing is... Uh, talking about Linux and like retro computing stuff mm -hmm. and really just explaining some of the cool stuff that I've picked up along the way of me working in legacy systems, mm -hmm. which is my day job. So I basically, what I do is I am a COBOL dev and a system administrator for COBOL on like x86 platform. Mm -hmm. And so that means I come across a lot of like really old, really cool tech mm -hmm. in supply closets and stuff. And so that's basically what I'm doing on the channel is talking about Linux, but also bringing in a bit of that retro stuff and then seeing if I can get like Linux working on something of a certain vintage mm -hmm. and seeing if we can get a Commodore 64 and Amiga on the internet and you know like little things like that so it's a lot of fun um I still feel like I'm new at this but I you know I'm we're having fun and we're we're doing cool stuff every day it seems like that's right yeah no I'm I'm uh finishing up my sixth year on YouTube and I still feel that's... like I'm new at this and and <laughs> I've, been doing, I've been doing it full-time for three years now so it's it's kind mm -hmm. of it, it's kind of insane what my job is now because I yeah, I know I I totally see that yeah yeah it, it's like I get to sit home on a on a Wednesday drink beer build computers tinker with Linux mm -hmm. like and go like <laughs> yeah I wonder if this would work ah yeah, wonder if that'd make a good video there you go I I did this kind of crap anyway it's just now I have a camera on. <laughs> Right, there you go. Yeah, no, it's super. That's been one of the fun things about it is figuring out the gear involved with the cameras and mm -hmm. the stuff like that and getting like, I have to figure out what and how to configure the camera to light the the thing in just the right way or to capture the screen so that you can actually see what's on the screen. And it's 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 all kinds of fun. Yeah, especially when you get into some of the vintage hardware and you're trying to capture CRTs. Um, oh, yeah. That, that has been, um, for the longest time, that was one of the most difficult things to do because uh, you have NTSC, which is recording at 29.97 yeah. or 5996. And uh, you have monitors that are at 30 or 60 hertz exactly and so there's always this slight idiosyncrasy oh and it's so weird and, yep yeah and then you get like i found this imac in the street and i repaired it mm -hmm. and i got it running again and it's i think it's a 75 hertz refresh rate uh-huh but then the yeah, camera right needs to yeah. yeah then the camera needs to be set at like 96 and change <laughs> shutter speed yeah. in order to sync up the right way so that you don't see the lines and it's like math but it's it's the weird kind of math that isn't very fun and yeah. it's you you eventually you nail it and you 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 put it in and it's a lot of work but it, it it's fun in the end right exactly yeah so i i've i've been through that road of trying to get camera gear to work properly with with gear and in fact tonight was like why isn't anything working <laughs> So, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yay. 
anyway, fantastic to have you on. Uh, we do have some news to get to, and I think we'll just kind of rapid fire it for about the next 20 or 30 minutes. And then uh, probably for the second half of the show, we're just going to kind of open it up to questions because there's everything from from Linux to home lab to retro computing to even more Absolutely. retro computing uh, that we can get into. And uh, that is definitely one of my audience's jams. So let's go this ahead. This will be and, fun. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get into the news, starting with, uh, so Asus, they've been under quite a bit of fire lately, pun intended. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's good. Uh, so this is a story that originally surfaced on Reddit with a couple of different users uh, stating that they had brand new uh, Asus motherboards. Uh, one of them was an Asus, one of them was a Gigabyte, but most of the fault ended up falling to Asus for a lot of their BIOS implementations that they were doing with the new AM5 chipsets. Uh, both users reported uh, that their AM5 CPUs, uh, Ryzen X3D CPUs, had bulged underneath the IHS, uh, basically exploding one of the dies inside of the chip and then bulging out from both sides. Uh, and in one case, it also took out the motherboard uh, with what looked like fire. Uh, now, I have been critical of some of Gamers Nexus's pieces in the past. This uh, post-mortem uh, was absolutely fantastic by him. Uh, a, a phenomenal piece of journalism and, and diving in to find actually the root cause and, and not sure. just looking for the, the quick blame game, which, again, I've been critical of him in the past for some things like that. This one was actually, you know, 100% factual no 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 punches pulled and and rightfully so and so uh, you give credit where it's due and steve fantastic yeah. job on this one no i i i thought it was pretty good um you know i the thing about am5 is i'm glad i haven't upgraded to it yet <laughs> <laughs> and this made me glad i haven't upgraded to it because this there's this, been some growing pains yes yeah it's I, I I'm I'm going to be in the market at some point for a Ryzen upgrade, mm -hmm. and I I'm I'm been waiting a little bit just to kind of see how things play out, and this this whole thing has made me really glad that I don't tend to rush out on day one mm -hmm. <laughs> and go buy something. Sometimes because, you win, sometimes you lose. And... Yeah, this and you know like. It, the thing I was thinking of with the whole Gamers Nexus bit is like, it, it, it is bad press always bad press? I think this is an example of bad press is just simply bad press. Correct. Where like, yeah. they they totally dropped the ball on this. Mm -hmm. And they got caught. Not, not and... only did they did they drop the ball on their implementation of, of the BIOS. Now, if you haven't seen what the actual controversy was, um, a couple of motherboard vendors were guilty of this, but Asus more than anything else, because yep. by default, it was sending more voltage specifically to the SOC, uh, the system on chip, the IO die that's on the, mm -hmm. the Ryzen processors, and basically causing it to explode, um, uh, causing permanent damage and then eventually failure which led to, in a couple cases, catastrophic failure where power was being sent to the CPU and basically going to ground and then 
just heating up uh, and and cause the failure of motherboards, CPUs, and in, in uh, some unconfirmed cases, even some equipment downstream that was being fed power when it shouldn't have been. Uh, mm. Anyway. And they would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for those meddling YouTubers. The, those, those meddling, <laughs> yeah, those meddling Steve Burks. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so definitely a big issue. Uh, yeah. Now, the reason Asus is kind of in the spotlight here is because their behavior by default caught, or uh, basically allowed this issue to persist. Uh, it, it was right. only if you had enabled precision boost overdrive on, on a couple of boards and you were starting to get into some of the esoteric tweaking uh, outside of you know, your memory uh, expo or, or XMP settings or, or anything else like that. Um, but on Asus, all of that was enabled by default, which meant this was a, a problem for everyone. Uh, right. Specifically That's with, with X3D boards uh, or the uh, X3D chips. Yep, I'm. This all just makes me happy that I haven't upgraded. Because this would have been on my list too. That's uh -huh. the funny thing is this totally would have been on my radar. You know, like I I've bought a few of their boards before, mm -hmm. and like it's you know I think my first was like it was an SLI board. So and it was a long time ago. I I want to say the M2NESLI. Does that sound like one of theirs? Uh, that does sound Somebody like an Asus uh, model number. And yeah, gosh, the word, you... this was my first one I built from them. You, so you would have been, is that a 939 chipset? I don't remember if I, in my mind, in my mind, AM2, but okay. I could okay. be, yeah. I could be totally off. Um, it was, it, I was in college. I was a broke college student building mm -hmm. that computer. And it was like, it was the first computer that I built and kind of designed around using it as like a Linux rig. Mm -hmm. And um, it was an experience, yeah. let me tell you. And Linux was an experience back then, but like oh, yeah. it, it turned out, it turned out okay. But like I've been buying their stuff for like that long. Enforce so, four chipset. Uh, so DK Vid says that was an Enforce four chipset. So yeah, AM two or AM three. Um, okay, I think it was AM two. Yeah, AM two sounds right to me. Yeah, uh, and no, uh, nine three nine is not AM two or AM three. Nine three nine is the predecessor to AM two. Uh, That's what I and thought. I, I was speaking more sockets. Uh, so yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Nope. I I am. <laughs> I'm just glad I skipped this this particular section. And you know, it, it will like for me, it'll give me pause about buying one of their boards again. So. Right. Um, now, there have been a lot of growing pains with AM5, and and I think that is actually partially down to where we are in the market in general is for so long, uh, for nearly a decade, there was not the uh, exponential increase in power and efficiency that we have been known for. You, you know, the whole Intel's Moore's, Moore's Law. Um, that was kind of dead for almost 10 years. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. in the last two years, it's back with a vengeance where it's like, oh, this is the curve that we were on for like system builders from you know the 90s and 2000s. like. 
I was used to that kind of curve where we're, <laughs> exactly where you build a 350 megahertz PC and then literally six months later, they're breaking the gigahertz barrier. And, right. And that was single core and per clock. Oh, there was also efficiency upgrades in that as well. So you were literally three to four times slower six months later. It it was yep. absolutely nuts. And and we're kind of starting to see that again, where for the longest time it was seven percent, seven percent, seven percent year over year. And yep. you, small incremental right. kind of and, and you could iterative on, upgrade. You could hold on to a graphics card or a CPU for, you know, six years and then find the upgrade and you're like, Oh yeah, I just finally doubled my performance. And yeah, not anymore. Uh like no. I, I have I have chips around here from uh you know even like 2019 like zen 2 and and beginning zen 3 cpus uh these are literally twice as fast now like that's like 18, it's fantastic. 18 to 24 months later they're literally twice as fast both intel and amd the problem with that is we're also starting to run into some of the growing pains that we saw in the gigahertz race era time uh right maybe they're not as stable or as long lasting as they should be because they're trying to crank so much voltage into such a tiny space. And I mean, back then we were talking like, you know, two and a half volts. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's, you know, 1.3. Uh, but so much voltage, I remember so much the, current. I remember the controversy. So I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull something out. Mm. We're, we're talking vintage. We're talking vintage. So I'm pulling out a board in the bag. I prepared because it's show and tell. All right. So here's a 486 oh, yeah. board DX2. that I just, ah. yep, I just found this at Free Geek, and I'm, I'm assembling a 486. It's going to be great. And um, I remember the controversy around, I mean, I was a kid, mm -hmm. but I remember still the idea that you had to actually put like a cooler on this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like that was an issue. No thermal and, case, just like an aluminum yeah. heat sink and a little 40 mil fan. Like that's all it was. It was a thing. It was it was a concern. And it's, you know, it just it reminds me of like sometimes the technology moves faster than people's expectations of it. Do. Right. Right. And when that happens, you can end up with like a you can end up with a um communications disconnect, like a breakdown mm -hmm. of from the marketing department is not necessarily thinking through the engineering department. Which is which not necessarily may may... thinking of the end use of a consumer, which is not yes, necessarily... Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> which may or may not, but probably is the reason Commodore died. <laughs> probably is a, a there, good contributing there factor. Was a, there was a whole lot of not like paying attention to each other in in that company and yeah. and yeah that's it's it i don't think we're gonna see them go away or i don't think we're gonna see aces go away anytime soon but mm -hmm. like this hurts this yeah. this feels yeah. bad now part of the reason that aces is under so much fire is also because of their response to this issue where they knowingly sent too much voltage to the soc knowingly enabled basically all of their overclocking features by default trying to give the consumer mm -hmm. the best you know value or perceived value on their on their boards but at the same time unless you're a reviewer and you're going through you know cpu by cpu and board by board you're not going to notice that difference and so right. i've always been confused by out of the box overclocking from a, mother a motherboard standpoint where 
if I were a motherboard manufacturer, I would value stability over anything else. Absolutely. Because if I have problems with, for years, it was Gigabyte that always gave me problems, like like in the early mm-hmm. 2010s, where I'd fire up a Gigabyte board and, and invariably would wind up with random blue screens and, and memory misconfigurations sure. and everything. And... And so for a while, I'd sworn off Gigabyte. And I think I've sworn off just about everyone at some point, except maybe EVGA. Uh, sure. But uh, but yeah. Like, they haven't irritated you yet. They haven't, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, just, well, they can't with graphics cards anymore. There, uh, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, like if I were a motherboard manufacturer, I would value stability because it's all about customer experience. And they're not sure. going to notice the difference between 140 and 150 FPS, but they will mm-hmm. notice random blue screens and crapping out hardware and crashes. And, and that's what the customer uh, experience is. Especially with a motherboard. Like that's the thing, it, it, you know, like a GPU, you can argue that like the on day one or you know first few months it's enthusiasts and you can kind of do what you want but motherboards like i you know i I was helping somebody build her first computer last week Mm -hmm. and like she doesn't know the the parts yet she's coming into this for the first time and the the motherboard is the thing you expect to be the most stable out of all of the components right that you're assembling like that's maybe the ram or like the the ssd you know it's it's you expect a very basic level and yeah mm-hmm. the, the overclocking out of the box if, if it overclocks out of the box you didn't overclock it that's you just changed its setting you just turned like, it on right <laughs> yeah exactly overclocking ought to be a thing that you have to opt into not yeah like opt out of that's because i think most people don't expect it at least when they're building right enthusiasts sure but your average person building a computer i i don't necessarily see that yeah anyway asus that's a great thumbnail yeah yes absolutely uh asus uh at one point issued a bios update that was a beta bios and said this might solve your problem it also might not by the way also installing this bios will void your warranty so if if it ends up blowing up your computer anyway now we're not liable which is not the way warranties work by the way uh (laughs) but uh anyway asus has come full circle after very deserved scrutiny by Gamers Nexus mm-hmm. and the community at large uh, that Asus AM5 motherboard warranties will all will always cover AMD Expo, Intel XMP, and DOCP memory configurations. All recent BIOS updates for uh, follow the latest AMD voltage guidelines for AMD Ryzen 7000 processors. They will also warranty if you installed a beta BIOS. Furthermore, we would like to reiterate our commitment to supporting the AMD AM5 platform and our customers. For any inquiries about your Asus AM5 motherboard, please contact our customer service for support. <laughs> that is their official statement. So Sounds real good. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, not not the time to try to be circling the wagons. Like, like yeah. that time was before you launched this, knowing that right. it was potentially unstable and outside of guidance from AMD. Um, mm-hmm. Now... AMD is definitely partially to blame because they did not give the best guidance on it because the 1.45-ish volts that were being sent to the SOC has been okay in the past. Uh, in, in fact, 1.40 and 1.45 was a common voltage for overclocking the SOC when you're trying to get RAM to work at the speeds it's supposed to. Um, sure. 
But there was very little guidance around 7000 series from AMD. Uh, there was some documentation about burst rates and things like that, but there wasn't much more concrete to go on. There wasn't like exact guidelines of this is what this ship is capable of over a duration of mm -hmm. time. So some of this does fall to AMD. I don't want them to get out without holding some of this bag. But no, and <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to find out, like, because if you, you probably know the answer off the top of your head. Wasn't there a chipset where AMD was saying it, it had a certain heat, like a, a certain topping out point where it would throttle back, and then it turned out it was something different. <sighs> Like, I remember there being an issue where the temperature reported on the die was not the same as the temperature reported in the in um, the EFI. That's that's uh, a little bit of a diff... Yes, partially. Um, and uh, I'm just thinking about the company getting out in front of its skis on something. Right. Like, it's not uh, surprising. Uh, so AMD started doing this uh, a couple of years ago, specifically on their graphics cards. And a couple of the companies actually followed suit, NVIDIA and Intel both, with... Um, uh, usually you have thermal probes and you'll just report the average of the thermal probes that you have. So if you have like six thermal probes on a GPU die, for example, you'll report sure. just the average of those. Uh, what AMD started doing is reporting the average temp, but also the hottest temp. And the hottest temp is sometimes way hotter than you might expect. And sure. that's by design and it's okay. As PC enthusiasts, anytime we see something over 95C, we tend to freak out. But we also forget yeah, that we'll MOSFETs are designed to run at 125C. Sure. Sometimes certain silicon is designed to run at 110. Like, it's all within the mechanics of how it works. Uh, when AMD came out, I believe... Gosh, was it... Was it the first Navi chips with the 5700 XT or something like that? See, that sounds familiar to me. That, yeah. that does sound familiar. I, I believe it was Navi where they came out with both a an average temp on the GPU die as well as an edge temp. And the edge mm -hmm. temp, uh, so your standard temp was like 76. And that's the one that most people would read. And it's like, oh, it's keeping it fairly cool, you know. Right. Eight degrees cooler than NVIDIA, like that means anything. Um, <laughs> but then they'd have an edge temp of like 106 and people are going, Oh sure. my God, my GPU is literally melted. No, it's, it's fine. It, it's okay. It's designed to do that. We're just trying to get more data in, into everyone's hands yeah. and know what it's doing on every single level, but it's fine. I promise. So yeah, that, that was less of a, uh, way hotter than it's intended to run. It's not actually throttling. Okay. Uh, but, um, uh, I remember they had to yeah. get some communications out about it where yeah. they realized in the middle of, because uh, I, I saw this when I built my my current Ryzen build where it's like, I I remember watching a, a video from AMD where they were trying to explain this to me like I was 12 because I needed it because it was just so off from what I was used to. Right whenever I'm building a, a computer and like all I had to rewrite scripts about like what to do in certain cases. And like, it, it was, it messed with my whole flow and, and enthusiasts don't like their flow being messed with. No, we, we also <laughs> don't like our, our core values or understandings of how text works questions. Right. <laughs> 
there you go. I, I always love, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, but there was a video that came out a little while ago about a motherboard that I particularly like uh, about it literally melts down and how is this acceptable and whatnot. <laughs> and uh, they're freaking out about VRM temperatures. By the way, when this CPU is overclocked from 45 watts to 85 watts, uh, about the VRM temperatures hitting 95C. And I looked up the sure. part number and it's 125 degree oh, so it can, capable it can take it. It's like, as long as the solder is not liquefying, what are you worried about? Which can happen. I mean, I, I suppose at a certain, at a something, certain something red ring energy of level. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. It'll be great. <laughs> uh, what's funny is I also have a, uh, another story related to solder melting. Uh, so I have a, uh, a Nissan 350Z and it has a Bose sound system in it. And it's, Great car. Love the car. Um, but uh, the Bose amplifier, I guess, has some capacitors on them that uh, will come Ooh. desoldered in, in heat. Uh, so, if, you know, inside of a car gets sure. 150 degrees, they'll slowly melt I... and crack the solder joints. Yeah. Um, you can fix There's it. There's heat in there. Right. You can fix it either by resoldering it, but who's got time for that? Instead, right. you can take... Uh, there's a there's a heat sink on the back of it. If you take a quarter and you shim the heat sink between the heat sink and the casing, it presses it down and makes it connect. And so that's I how mean, my, so that's how mine is fixed. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 some that's some classic engineering. Yep. That that it, it's that sounds like I you know I've been reading like IBM bulletins about like debugging your mainframe and like mm. it sounds like the kind of thing they just say oh just stick a quarter in it yeah it'll be fine yeah <laughs> like just jump it take a paper clip and jump that wire and then you're good everything's fine <laughs> uh my favorite anecdote related to that and then we'll i think we'll move on to the to the retro story because this one i'm really excited for Ooh, okay um is uh so I had a, an old server engineer uh, named Pat, and he's he's the guy that I took over my position when I became the systems administrator later on, tech uh, director and, sure. and so on. Uh, great guy, great great guy to learn under, but uh, old school, like 1980s mainframe systems administration sure. and, and whatnot. Uh, he goes, it was always funny because if there was ever a, a problem with like an HP or a compact, you know, like tower server kind of thing. Sure. Um, it wasn't them sending you a, a software update. It was a guy who would show up with a soldering iron and he would scrape the PCB and then jumper wires <laughs> to to correct a, a hardware issue. And sure. he goes, I'll never forget one of the days this HP engineer was in and uh, he was uh, supposed to be fixing one of our servers and issue on one of the servers and he opened it up and he goes oh i see you have revision c because of the jumpers that were on the board okay so it, instead of new pcbs <laughs> being minted you would just have yep. a, a tech walk around and jumper what and so oh you have uh yep. you know model 760 revision c <laughs> I, I, I've seen so many punch cards where somebody's like, oh, I'll fix this bug. And then they punch new holes in the yeah. car. <laughs> it's fixed. Yeah. Run it again. We'll just comment out this line. <laughs> yeah, we'll comment out this code. <laughs> it's delightful. All right. If you excuse me for two seconds, I'm going to grab my second beer out of the fridge because it is Ooh, 7 o'clock. Okay. There we go. I'm trying to think of what I should say. Quick, let's install Linux. And I'm back. 
Uh, I did you didn't s- hear me. Oh, I didn't hear you. I had my headphones out. <laughs> no, I was joking. I said, while you're gone, quick, let's install Linux. <laughs> you know, if... This is the PC that I, like, run my business from. Like, this is where mm-hmm. I do all my design, all my scripting, all my benchmarking, all my capturing, all my streaming. This is the PC. I I can't wait for the day when I move to the new office and uh, I can have my streaming PC just be Linux and my workstation PC just be Linux. And then the one that I have mm-hmm. to do benchmarking and capture on, that can run Windows. Like, that's just fine. But... I, uh, I so want that. <laughs> it's so hard to have everything on one system. Yeah. And it's so challenging to justify the space and having everything on different systems. Yes. Yeah, that's precisely it. Uh, yeah. So I have two main desktops. I, I have my streaming PC and my editing PC. That's the common sure. names that we refer them to. Um, but uh, Rhett uses that one and I use this one. And... Uh, we both do everything. We we both do a little editing. We both do a little benchmarking. We both do writing. We both do all that kind of stuff. And so it's just where we sit. And sure. But the PCs do have different hardware. Like I have the capture card. He's got the audio gear. And so, you know, if I need to do voiceover, I've got to go over there and do my voiceover work. And then I've got to come back over here and do the, the Photoshop for the, the thumbnail. And then I've got to capture right. the B-roll off. Ugh, it's just maddening sometimes. I I, I totally hear you. Yeah. One of the things we're really hoping to do is create bespoke stations for different tasks within the business. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I can actually have a test bench that I can sit down and test things on and, and do all of my capture and do all of benchmarking and everything else. And then when we're ready to shoot that, I can just walk it over, set it on the table and we can shoot. We can shoot the video. Absolutely. Uh, Because right now it's like, an hour or sometimes even two hours to completely reset everything that you're doing because I've been working on two different projects at my desk here, which is also the desk we use to film, but that's not the project right. that we're filming today. <laughs> it gets, it oh, gets it's, messy quick. Absolutely, it does. I'm, I'm in the middle of moving everything out of my basement so I can actually move my recording rig into the basement because I share it with my entire family. Like this is where we all do like mm-hmm. crafts and stuff. Like yeah. this is basically our like project room. Uh-huh. And I would love to be able to actually like set the camera up where I do solder projects or where I'm doing like, um, you know, design stuff and actually just, just have that space. Mm-hmm. So that's my project. Hopefully for the summer we get that done because nice. that'll be fun. Nice. All right. So for those wondering, uh, I'm drinking a Block 15 Favorable Fortune Dry Irish Stout. Ooh. And very much looking I just, I just cracked open a sparkling water All right. from a company called Waterloo. I would guess it's out of Iowa, but I don't know for sure. And it is a blackberry lemonade. Nice. So this will be good. Nice. Yeah, believe it or not, when I'm not drinking beer, I'm usually drinking like sparkling waters and things like that. Uh, and so I do like a good sparkling water. Well, I'm from Minnesota and we mm-hmm. have La Croix or La Croix, La Croix or whatever yeah. you call it. Yeah. It's like the thing. Yeah. And so like we're we're inundated by it from a very young age. Yeah. Yeah, we we had some different variations of of sparkling water, very similar, you know, the the five calorie, you know, sparkling water drinks. Um, I've been really digging the liquid death lately. Uh, I don't know if you've tried those. 
but no, I haven't tried that. Those are really, really good. So. Does it have anything like caffeine in it? Because like if it has caffeine in it. Nope, nope, no caffeine, unfortunately. Uh, there are <laughs> some out there that do though. So yeah, oh yeah, yeah. no, I've I found a few that I that I like that that do, and, mm-hmm. and it's like I'm always on the lookout for more. So she, if it keeps me from having to do like another coffee in the middle of the day. Yeah, yeah. Because I tend to be the only one in the in the house that actually wants the second coffee at like five. <laughs> yeah. No one else seems to want that. So yeah, I, is what it is. I usually start my day with a cup of coffee, and then sometimes I'll have another one at like one, you know, right after lunch. But I am of Scandinavian and Italian descent, which means I have very strong opinions about coffee, but I'm afraid to share them. I, I'm I'm primarily Italian, so I talk with my hands a lot <laughs> and drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> Yep, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to talk about this 386. Yes, yes, we. Yes, do. I'm. I am so excited <laughs> about the 386. <laughs> so, if if you haven't been following along with some of the the AliExpress weird crap that shows up from time to time, this is something to get super excited about. Unfortunately, they are already sold out. Yeah, I saw that. I bought one. Ooh, that's I'm, exciting! I might be willing to share too. So okay, so, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll, we'll work talk on offline. That. We will work on mm-hmm. that. It'll be good. Anyway, uh, an unknown manufacturer came out with a product known as the Hand 386. Now, gaming handhelds are kind of all the rage right now. Obviously, you can point to the Steam Deck, but retro handhelds have been a thing for probably the last seven to ten years. Uh, mm-hmm. Getting you know Game Boy Advanced and and you know PSP games into your hand, where you don't have to use your cell phone. You can actually get you know good controls, a good quality screen, uh, and a good experience. But yeah, my the i the analog pocket comes to mind yes. which is my current my current mm-hmm. thing to to play and and enjoy mm-hmm. yeah analog pocket fantastic device uh yeah a lot of fun but there there's always one one platform that gets left out from a lot of the the retro gaming stuff and it's the pc uh Where's the where's the the PC mini? Where's the you know the the retro handheld PC? Well, fear not, there is now a retro handheld PC with period correct hardware. It's so cool. For $200. This is one this of the coolest so things cool. I've seen in a long time. Uh so this is not an FPGA. This is not a a knockoff recreation. <laughs> this is a brand new chassis keyboard and display. Uh it's a 7-inch 640 by 480 display. Uh and oh I should pull up the uh link so we can see the Six, internals. 640 by 480 being the best possible screen resolution that's ever been. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's the print that's all you need. Yeah. Uh, so this was on AliExpress for about $200, $210. But if we scroll down to the internals, mm-hmm. these are new old stock or <laughs> desoldered internals from that day that are put onto a bespoke PCB. We've got a chips video card with one megabyte of video memory. We've got an OPL3 sound chip capable of Yamaha MIDI and Sound Blaster compatibility. Uh, We've got a DNMP, uh, which is Mm. actually an NVIDIA 
system on chip using an Intel 386 SX x86 40 megahertz chip, as well as NVIDIA system on chip goodness from <laughs> back in the day. This is like a, a CPU from 1992. Uh, mm -hmm. With eight megabytes of, of memory, it also has an eight bit ISA slot via a breakout board. So even if you wanted to add some of your, your ISA components, you can break those out and plug them in with the help of a daughter board. It supports, so cool. it supports VGA output, PS2 mouse and keyboard. It has dual socketable BIOS chips for your, your VGA and your system BIOS. It also runs off a of battery and has a USB port, plus all your storage is compact flash. So if you wanted to just yep. image a compact flash card, toss it in there and start playing all of your Windows 3.1 and DOS games, it'll do everything. This is all the computer anyone has ever needed. Mm -hmm. This is this is this is well, better Bill, than anything. Well, else. Bill Gates said, "What could we possibly do with more than twelve megahertz?" And you've got forty <laughs> here. Yeah, forty. That's like some extra megahertz. Um, the big thing I I was thinking is is there's a there's one thing that's missing to make it just perfect in my mind, and mm -hmm. that is onboard floppy. Yeah. There um, is no onboard floppy. Now it does have the daughter board thing. It does have the daughter board. Um, now there is a USB port on here. And this is one thing- Which that, is interesting. This is one thing that I'm curious about because some BIOS, if you install a USB floppy drive, it will be seen by DOS natively because the BIOS handles right. it as a standard ATA. Yeah. And so there's a possibility this USB port will allow you to connect a floppy drive and have it read in DOS, no drivers. That would be cool. Um, I, That's just so like one of the points. things. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is so amazing. Um, one of the things I was interested in is I don't know off the top of my head what version of DOS this thing is running. And, uh, and it that says could... it says it supports 622 and 7.1. So it supports. Yes. So now this this has me thinking that you could actually get a USB floppy drive set up on it. But I do I I it's my one little thing. Like it's right. already thick enough. They could have worked a floppy drive onto it. That would have been I know cool. <laughs> you can't find floppy drives anymore though. No. That's the issue. No. And so I'm now in lieu of a floppy drive, this is one thing I was thinking of with that USB. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen a GoTech. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I Okay, yep. It, yeah. Yep, if, if for folks who aren't familiar with the GoTech, it's a floppy replacement that works over USB and images. So, like, you can take a, a, the floppy drive out of something like an Amiga or, mm -hmm. a, you know, like an old 386 or something, and you can pop in a GoTech which then it has on the one end it connects to the floppy yep there it is perfect yep on the one end it connects th through whatever floppy interface your device requires and then on the other end you've got usb and you can image your usb stick for however many floppies you want right. this could be the one true way to experience the floppy goodness on like a board of this this type because I think this seems really cool and I'd like yeah. to see how they're doing it. I would love to see how they're doing it. Um, now, the the really funny thing is there's a lot of enthusiast communities that are starting to recreate uh, 
you know, basically motherboards using very similar techniques to this. Either oh, yeah. desoldering, you know, new old stock kind of stuff. Um and uh and creating their own things uh one of the first yep. that that really became popular was probably raster eye with the uh the pc 104 concept of taking a, mm -hmm. a pc 104 300 megahertz creating his own daughter board that had a sound blaster compatible chip that was a brand new chip um and mm -hmm. boom he's got a you know the fastest ever you know 486 clone um absolutely yep in a, in a mini PC format, you know, smaller than an Intel Nook. Um, so I I just ordered and uh, on a similar vein, I just ordered the Aegon Light, which if if I don't know if it okay. So people are familiar with the Commander X16 by the 8-bit guy, and yes. this is yeah. an example of you know building something new out of at least yep there there's the commander x16 and so it's a cool website um and there there's a lot of cool stuff i'm seeing starting up around that platform but mm -hmm. if that price point is too much and i think it's gonna be for some people like i know i balked at the price considering it is not compatible with like the existing Commodore 64, 6502 library. Right. It's, it, there's a lot it can't do. There are a bunch of enthusiasts working on stuff that does similar things. Like the Aegon Light mm -hmm. is one I just ordered. It hasn't arrived yet. I, I had to order it from the distributor. Um, and uh, some there there's a lot of other little groups that are working on other similar boards and when they're ready they're going to be phenomenal there's going to yeah. be so many really cool ways to like bit bang some old like chips and figure out assembly and rebuild some new games or some old games on right. new hardware that you can actually like acquire mm -hmm. because that like that's the thing that sucks about this is like these are now such collector's items yeah. That they're unobtainable. Yeah. And and I'm, it's I'm not ridiculous. Three hundred dollars to to re-experience Commodore sixty four if I'm just trying to dabble in it. I'm just gonna run yeah, an emulator, exactly. which also doesn't yeah. get you the full experience. No, and and the I love these projects that are that are bringing this down in cost and bringing this down in, in space and and really letting us experience it in a similar way we've learned to love the Raspberry Pi and other single board computers right. because that really does encourage tinkering in mm -hmm. a way that I think is accessible for people of all skills, of all age levels of, you know, like just if you want to dabble or if you want to see about maybe a second career in hardware design, mm -hmm. like these are really good ways to figure that out and just get used to it and just see what you like. Yeah. And I, I love that there are enthusiasts building this sort of thing. Yes. Did you see the other PC this manufacturer created? Uh, no. Wait. I Oh, wait, is this? Yes. Okay, I did see this. This is cool. The the uh, eighty eighty six book or the eighty eighty eight book. Uh, yeah. Again, also about two hundred dollars. But an original Intel eighty eighty six, uh, four point seven two megahertz CPU. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, you can get it as just the chip and the motherboard. You can also get it with the OPL3 sound card. Uh, you can also get it with the breakout board for ISA and a couple other things. Uh -huh. You can also get it with the optional 8087 coprocessor. 
<laughs> you, you need your floating point? We got your floating yeah, point. Yeah, you need, you need your FPU? <laughs> we got you. Right. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. I, I could see myself using the 386 more than I could the 8086, but I almost bought mm. one of these two. Like, I, I was so the, close. The 8086, is, I mean, there's a lot of really cool things you can do with an 8086, mm -hmm. but, like, if you're going to spend the money on retro hardware pre-Pentium era, right. in my opinion, you're, if if you're after DOS, mm -hmm. if that's the, the universe you want to live in, right. um, which is a good universe, don't get me wrong. Right. Um, but in that universe, <laughs> I, I think your best bet is a 486 or 386. I, and I, you're going to have <laughs> the most compatibility with everything. I, I think a 486 DX2 with a turbo button. And, yep. and, oh, yep. and you will be able to run anything from that era, period. And you need that turbo button because they're like, I, I, I'll Command never forget. <laughs> well, I'll never forget my disappointment in like games that relied on the clock speed mm -hmm. in order to regulate like the actual play. And yep. when you increase the speed, you end up breaking the compatibility with the game you want to play. Like I was playing Pong and it's completely unplayable because mm -hmm. if you play it on, on anything faster than, you know, like a couple of megahertz, right. it's going to it's going to break and you're just going to see this yep. and that's all you're going to see. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's what wing commander was. Wing commander was made for a 286, 12 megahertz. And yep. uh, if you run it on a 486 surprise, it runs literally six times faster. Uh, yep. And, and it's unplayable. Uh, but if you had a turbo button, it'll disable your, your XMP. It'll disable your, your extended memory. And it will also disable your gosh, what else did it do? It did a couple of things, but uh, but basically it turned your 486 into a 286. Yeah, um, it, it slowed it down enough to make the game enjoyable. Right, exactly. Uh, what I there, there's a couple schools of thought of bringing back old PCs like that. Uh, number mm -hmm. one, I love the concept of the hand 386 of the yeah, it's so cool. It is a 386 PC recreated original hardware. You can download the original drivers and play pretty much anything that you would think would be compatible with that level of hardware. Um, mm -hmm. I'm also always interested in the the FPGA approach. So the analog pocket or the Mr. Oh, yeah, Project of, of, mm -hmm. of recreating the hardware from scratch and getting clock perfect hardware emulation. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think both are phenomenal approaches. Uh, Obviously, FPGA probably requires a little bit more legwork and, and will probably incur some more costs as the project goes along. Uh, if you've ever tried to buy a Mister, you know they're probably four to 450 and up if you want like the full package and want to be able to run all your cores and have all the different right. outputs and things. Whereas something like this, 200 bucks, you've got a 386 and you're off and rocking. Um, it, it really, you know, like I don't think there's any wrong way to retro. It's, mm -hmm. it, you know, like, I know some people get really into this, and I'm sure there will be people in the comments who are like, oh, you're wrong. There's only one. You have to use original hardware, because I get those comments all Screw the time. Screw the purists. Yeah, well, right. Exactly. It's it's just <laughs> whatever you, if, if you're, like, this comes up with Amiga. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're Amiga-ing on a modern computer, or if you're Amiga-ing on an Amiga, or if you're Amiga-ing on a Mr., or if you're Amiga-ing on a Pi. It mm -hmm. doesn't, like... You're you're still participating in the ecosystem. You're still sharing in the love of the community, right? Even if you're doing it on modern hardware, and the people who actually build this stuff, 
they they like that people are interested. They they're just excited that people are part of it. And I don't think we need to be such purists about the different ways to do it. Right. My personal preference is toward hardware. I you know I I I've got the stuff, but like I also part of that comes from the privilege of working in legacy systems mm -hmm. where, like. You know, there are people who chase the latest JavaScript dev thing and they get to experience people who are like, who understand, like who have access to M2 Max or, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. When you work in legacy systems, one of the perks <laughs> is that you'll walk into a, a server room and there's like a terminal just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> because somebody had because that's what they built it on like right. you that's it's one of the advantages to it and so what like that? for oh, me that runs our hvac yeah exactly yes <laughs> the, ask, ask the me how i know the 386 I just pulled out of, you know, like somebody's printer room because mm -hmm. it's the thing that runs their invoice printer you know <laughs> these <laughs> these things aren't it's one of the perks of the job. And and yeah. so because of that, I was able to kind of dig into some of this stuff. And that's a privilege. Yeah. Um, I certainly wouldn't fault somebody for not wanting the Power Mac 9600, either because of space or energy or cost. You right. know, these things aren't cheap. Right. Uh, I, I do have a couple of vintage PCs around. Uh, I've got, mm -hmm. um, I, I wish I still had uh, I had one of the Power Mac G3 towers, the not the not the beige ones, but the one when they went turquoise. Uh, and mm. and so it was the it was the iMac plastic, but on a Power yep. Mac G3. It was the full tower. Uh, that's the computer that I had in college. And uh, sure. I also had the matching 21-inch Trinitron monitor for it uh -huh. and keyboard and mouse. And I, I had everything. And I want that computer back. Um, yeah. But you can't obtain them anymore. I, I think I sold it for $200 for the combo sometime in like 2012. Because uh, it's like, I just need this crap out of my office now. Right. Um, and... Uh, now it's like it's a thousand dollars for that tower. It's like that's ridiculous. Just to re re get a G three. Do you know how plentiful G three supply was back in the day? And oh, I, I do. And and I say this about <laughs> I say this about uh, Nintendo products. Okay, it 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 is so insanely frustrating to me. Hi, Jeff. Yep. Hi, Jeff. Uh, Jeff shouting out the ninety six hundred. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is so insanely frustrating to me when I I want to buy my kids like a Game Boy Advance SP or something like that. Like, hey, I've got sure. a full Game Boy library. I don't want you playing on mine, but you know, we'll we'll go buy you one. And a Game Boy Advance SP is like 150 bucks. It's a console that sold 140 million units. It's mm -hmm. not rare. It's not collectible. Right. It's not. Some of them are like it like. The one that I had, which had the NES skin on it, the original. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I had one mm -hmm. of those at one point, but there's See, that's a, nice. there's a couple you could put a little bit higher dollar value on, but they're not worth more than they were at retail 20 years no. ago. And and I don't understand some of the enthusiast and collectible communities that that think that their Beauty and the Beast VHS is worth 400 dollars or that right. No, it's. Game Boy Advance SP is worth 150 or a 3DS is worth 350. It's like those were sold in the tens of millions. Yes. 
I mean, it's only worth that if people are paying for it. Right. And that's the, like, in my mind, that's the kicker. Like, if if we, like, you know, Commodore 64. Okay, if I spend $1,500 on a Commodore 64, mm-hmm. then to me it was worth $1,500. Right. But we should, if... if if somebody's asking for something irrational like that mm-hmm. and we know we can find it locally for less yeah hopefully we find it locally for less that's that's one yeah. of the things i absolutely adore about where i live which is the twin cities is that we have a free geek and yeah. free geek we do have one important con- too so. yes i was going to say yes. um contrary to their name it's not free stuff but they they take in old electronics and when they find a gem they make it available and the community around Free Geek is phenomenal because, like, I can say something like, oh, hey, I'm looking for a Kensington expert mouse because I, I have a DAW that needs, that, that wants the fourth button on, yep, that wants the fourth button on a Kensington expert mouse. <laughs> yes. And, like, somebody's like, somebody's like, I got you. Like, yeah. like here, you, you want twenty five bucks? We'll do twenty five bucks. You know, like well, it's reasonable. Boppets for you anymore? Like, <laughs> yes, they are. They're holding boppets for me, <laughs> which is exciting. That's not fair. Um, but they, it's it's because it's a community, and yeah. it's so wonderful. That it reminds me of like the Linux user groups. Uh, you know, like we used to have like local community Linux user groups mm-hmm. like 15 years ago because nobody heard of Linux. So right. like this is how we were getting people installed and helping configure it. And it's just yeah. wonderful to have. I wish every community had such a cool retro thing. I, I, I learned about Linux from my BBS server. So. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> Jumped right from BBS to Linux. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. You're already used to the terminal. It's fine. That's right. Yeah, I, I, well, well, I I knew DOS. I could write a batch file. Like I, it, you could write a batch. Yeah, file. It, um, yeah. I I am definitely not a developer. I'm not a programmer. I I can't think that way. I'm I'm very linear in in a lot of my thoughts. Mm-hmm. So hardware and I get along great. Uh, sure. Python and I get along great, <laughs> and that's about Python. it. Yeah, Python's great. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that though. No. Like if you're doing it, it's it's fine. Yeah. And and yeah, on on the the programming side of things, I understand my limitations and and uh uh everyone always asks like how do you get like the VGPU stuff to work and how do you get this to work and how did you do WDS and my answer is always kind of the same. It's it's I if I can read from like 40 different people, I I can usually tend to suss out X, Y, Z, mm-hmm. here's the order that you do things in. And and so I'm usually the one that like, okay, I took like these 90 parts. I'm going to put them all together in one tutorial. And if you do it this mm-hmm. way, it'll work. At least right. on my hardware. So <laughs> <laughs> it works on my machine. It works on my machine. I can't say that when I'm working on a server though. That's the problem. Yeah. Because yeah. my machine's your machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just someone else's computer. Yeah, there you go. All right. Couple more quick news stories to jump into. Uh, I think we're gonna skip the the AMD one. We're gonna go straight to Logitech because right to repair, near and dear to my heart. Uh, Absolutely. Logitech taps iFixit in a growing number of companies who is uh, sourcing iFixit to start selling replacement parts uh, 
from direct from OEM essentially. Uh, so Logitech is starting with a lot of their MX Master and MX Anywhere mouse parts first, but eventually plans on having essentially their entire parts library available through iFixit. And if you're a right to repair junkie like I am, that you believe mice or you believe your hardware and whatnot should live forever. This is fantastic. Uh, there's a couple of mice that I've gotten rid of that served me well for like five years that if I could have just replaced the laser inside of, I'd have totally done it. Uh, Absolutely. You know, your scroll wheel isn't working anymore. Cool. That's a micro switch. It's like 60 cents and you can resolder it. I would have Absolutely. totally done that. Uh, and uh, there, there's a couple of funny adages uh, that, that I like that... Uh, I am definitely a mouse junkie. I love mice. Mm -hmm. I, 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 as much as I love keyboards, uh, there's only two mice that I will buy though. Uh, one of them is, is Elecom and the other is Logitech and neither one of them I can mm -hmm. get samples for. So right. it, it's, it's the opinion you to put your money where your mouth is. Uh, <laughs> the only mice that I own are, are Elecom and Logitech period. Yep. I don't know that there's any other, I mean, I, I own some Commodore mice, but mm. that doesn't really count. Uh, yeah. Um, and I do like, they're, I mean, I like my Kensington mice, but like only in certain mm. circumstances. Like if I'm working on music, I tend to like the really big yeah, the giant square, yeah. like a cue ball. Oh yeah. That yeah. I'm, I like it. It feels like I'm rolling a cantaloupe yeah. along my desk, if, if, if and I'm that's what you want. Golden tea, the Kensington yes. is no question. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, golden tea. That okay. Yep. Anyway, um, the thing about this, this, I like, I love the the repair. I mean, yes, we should be like, this is the thing I'm excited for. I think Logitech did exactly the right thing. The thing mm -hmm. that struck me about it is I'm sitting here thinking like, why is this such a big deal news-wise? This should just be the way it is. It should this be shouldn't the way it is. be news. Um, you know, like, why are we accepting crumbs when like, we should be able to just bake a cake? Thank you. <laughs> Um, I, I had a great conversation. This doesn't make sense. I had a great conversation with Rhett here in the office the other day about the PC industry is so weird because there's no other industry that will sell you pieces to something. And those pieces work with any other pieces and you can build it yourself. Sure. But in the same in the same sentence, if they made something that is complete, you are not allowed to touch any aspect of it. So mm -hmm. if if I buy, you know, an 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 Asus motherboard, I can put an AMD CPU and an NVIDIA graphics card and knock to a fans and a be quiet case and a and a you know fractal design power supply and and mm -hmm. run whatever software I want. No one cares. In fact, not only does no one care, whatever you do is 100 percent acceptable there. Right. But if I buy an Asus laptop, <laughs> yep, they hold on. It's, to, it's ridiculous, right? Right. They they hold on to that like, like nothing else. And and uh, no, you can't buy the left hinge to an Asus VivoBook Pro. No, of <laughs> course not. You can't buy a replacement trackpad. How dare you think you can replace your own battery? And no, it's 
it's absurd. Whereas we have the automotive market, which is the complete polar opposite. You can't put any parts together yourself and then drive it on the road, but you can buy any part from any manufacturer you want and they still have to honor your warranty. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, I just, there, we should, we should be in a better place than this. And it mm -hmm. bothers me. This, I, I get passionate about right to repair, not yes. just because I'm like a vintage tech junkie mm -hmm. and like this, like my Commodore 64 is endlessly repairable. Yeah. I can, I, until the original chips die and even then people are figuring out replacements yeah. everything is becoming something you know if we haven't built a complete commodore 64 or amiga 500 from like all new parts mm -hmm. we will soon yeah. this is it's it's coming yeah. it's gonna happen and i i i don't understand why we as a society accept this this seems like something where like i would think everybody would be on board with guaranteeing a right to repair mm -hmm. this doesn't seem like there's really any controversy around it's not saying you have to repair it it's just right to repair yeah and i don't understand why there would be opposition to it other than from big businesses who don't want to make things that you can repair and and i think that's the the basis of it and and if you look at a lot of public comment and you can even go into as big of a battle as net neutrality with the uh -huh. proven comments and and the fines that are being levied against <laughs> verizon comcast cox you right. know the, the the usual you know crew there uh and and right to repair and the the grassroots efforts of like no we just want to buy new products which is absolute yep. bullshit and everyone knows that from the big but you look Absolutely. at the you look at the usual suspects there and it's your apples and your samsungs and your uh oh, who say we would just rather sell you a new thing and then recycle your old thing because mm -hmm. we make way more money on the new thing and we just want to keep making money uh, we just want to keep making money. And it, it just, it bothers me because like we should be able to accept that growth is not endless. Mm -hmm. Like this is, I, I know that it's, it's hard to imagine like a scenario in which we have tech companies, like the big ones, like your apples and your Samsung. Just kind of plateau like, and remain 80% like profitable for a decade. Like, yeah why is that not acceptable yeah that should be except i i know why it's not acceptable if i could achieve of... that as a company oh right <laughs> but but like shareholders don't accept it right and that's that's a big part of this mm -hmm. and i i don't see any resolution to this short of regulation correct that's the only thing i see and and right to repair ought to be one of these just obvious wins mm -hmm. for everybody yeah where it doesn't necessarily like you know i as much as i hate soldered on memory as an example mm -hmm. i wouldn't hate it so much if i could remove it you know, with a solder station and put a new memory on there mm -hmm. and know it was going to work. You know, like at least, even if you're going to make the super thin thing with the soldered on memory, yeah. at least give us replacement parts 
if we want to try to take that on ourselves or, or take it to a professional shop who can do it right. for us. We, we complain that there's no one in the U.S. that repairs electronics anymore, but the reason no one repairs <laughs> electronics anymore is there's nothing to repair because we don't have the parts to do it. Yep, it, uh, that's exactly if, it. If, if you walk <laughs> down any street in Shenzhen, you can have the memory <laughs> on your Android phone swapped out in 20 minutes while you wait. Like, yep. like you can have whatever you want done to whatever electronic device you've ever, within a 20 minute walk, you could have it done. And it, yet we, it just we, boggles my mind. We, we insist on, you know, well, there's no American manufacturing anymore. And there's no American, like there, there's no TV repair guy. That's because you disallowed TV repair guys. <laughs> It's not because we didn't want you made, them. You made the TV this thin. Right. And then, and then glued took it away shut. all the parts. And the TV repair people are like, yeah, we don't want to do this anymore. Have, 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 <laughs> have, you why. Ever, have you ever successfully taken apart a Microsoft Surface? No, never. Nope. Not, I, I haven't even, I yep. haven't been able to try. You, no. you, you could have, like, like, if you want to go to the argument of, like, you know, right to repair versus, uh you know, adversity to repair. Uh, mm -hmm. Fusing the glass panel onto LCDs if you're Apple <laughs> or or using literally nature's thinnest glass that you could possibly manufacture yes. if you're Microsoft. Um, you could have a 30 cent part go bad in a Microsoft Surface book and, and have it destroy the machine. The only way to get into it is by destroying the LCD panel right. and the touch screen. So a 30 cent repair and then maybe $50 at a repair shop becomes $400. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm holding here my my Galaxy S20, uh -huh. which is is my last phone. Uh-huh. And I'm struck by when I take it out of its case how thin it is. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing is, I would never in my life walk around with it without this big, thick case. Mm -hmm. Is that the Pixel 7? Uh, Pixel 5a. So, Pixel 5a. Yeah. I, I actually just bought the Pixel 7. I, I, nice. My next video is going to be about Graphene OS. I'm, I'm test driving nice. Graphene OS. So it's, it's fun. It's going to be exciting. Anyway, that's not what it's about, though. It's... They they make the thing thin, but then you have to buy the case to keep it safe mm -hmm. because I'm so afraid to break something because I can't repair it. Yeah. And just give me a thicker phone I can repair. If you're right. gonna do this, <laughs> I don't need it to be thin. Give me I just one wanna that is it. not literally made of glass. Yes. Like, I don't know, maybe. Like, I understand growing stupid. pains when we're getting used to new technology, bendable screens, mm -hmm. curvable screens, flexible displays, oh, etc. Like, yeah, there's going to be a premium to those phones. There's going to be, you know, some things that don't. But for God's sakes, it's like glass jaw is a is a phrase for a very good reason. And mm -hmm. don't make a phone that I'm going to drop out of glass and then blame me no. for breaking it. And like... <sighs> The thing that gets me about this is that we've we've asked people, opinion polling consistently shows that people want things they can repair. Uh -huh. People want things that last longer. Like I'm sitting here, I don't know if you can hear this, but I'm sitting here rocking an an IBM Model M. I can hear, I, that's a very distinct clickety clack. It's a very distinct clink, clicky clack. It 
is a 70 year, like it's gonna be a 70 year keyboard. It's going to run for 70 years. Yep. I'm convinced that at, at the very, my entire life is going to be spent on this keyboard and it's perfect. And it's endlessly repairable if I need mm -hmm. to repair it. Yes. I can, you know, there are still companies making keycaps, making the, the stems the, making the springs the, the flappies the springs the... like i mean sure it takes some work but i can do this and the thing is it would fetch a premium and it would justify that premium if this <laughs> thing were made new which now some companies are making them new and yes. and this is this is a phenomenal design it's not thin it's not light it's not pretty mm -hmm. but people want stuff that lasts at least a good chunk of consumers care more about it lasting a long time than they do about its thinness yes. and i don't know why we're not given this as an option other than to sell us more junk that we end up throwing away after two years this, right. my phone is a two-year phone with a bad wi-fi radio now and i have mm -hmm. almost no way to repair it right no exactly and that's infuriating mm-hmm Yes. <laughs> uh, but there is one bit of bright news in the news, and that is uh, yes. Lutris's new update. Oh, it's so cool. Yes. Uh, so Lutris, for those who don't know, is uh, the Linux launcher that is trying to incorporate all of the PC compatible goodness into one easy to use platform. Uh, it's, and it's it, a great tool. And it just got so much better. <laughs> um, so Proton has been Valve's baby, and that is the, the secret sauce behind the Steam Deck that makes like 80% of your games just work over inside of mm -hmm. Linux. Uh, that is a collection of Wine, DXVK, and quite a few other uh, backend APIs that, that are making all of those translations possible. Uh, but Proton is the amalgamation of them. Well, Lutris just got official Proton support. So anything that you can do in Steam, you can now do in Lutris without the need for Steam. Oh, yep, I'm so excited about this. Also, they added in itch.io and Battle.net integration. So all of your uh -huh. Blizzard games are now also... <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so I gave this a try this this afternoon. Uh -huh. So I I saw this and I was like, okay, I gotta I gotta give it a try. So I upgraded my Lutris. I installed um, a couple of my games from itch.io. Flawless, just just absolute flawless. Worked right out the gate, no issues. Mm -hmm. um, I was not able to get Battle.net set up, and I think that's because I'm missing a dependency, and I'm waiting on some documentation about how to do that. But I'm on Debian testing, so mm -hmm. it's possible I've got something goofy going on. I'm on testing. I I didn't try it on like my Pop OS rig. Um, that would probably be a little easier to diagnose and troubleshoot, but I'm still kind of playing with it. Yeah. Um, I'm so pumped about this. It just, it makes, if you've ever used Lutris, it, it's just so dirt simple to use once yes. you get used to the idea of runners. Mm -hmm. It's it's really just fantastic. I did a video where I installed Mega Race from Good Old Games. Mm -hmm. It was actually, I think it was my third video. But if you remember Mega Race, speaking uh -huh. of DOS, yeah. um, it, it came bundled with my Packard Bell 486 as a kid. And <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I loved I didn't that have game. Mega Race. I did have Pod though on our on our, oh, on there our you Penny Two Thirty Three. So yeah. <laughs> There you go. I loved that game and it was so cheesy and getting it installed with Lutris is just like, it's a couple of clicks and you're done. Uh And it's, it's just so nice. Like I did that with the, I have my brood war disc for Starcraft and I was able to just like pop that in. It's the original disc from Mm. like 1998, 99. 99, I think it was brood war. Yeah. Yeah. Brood war. Yeah. Um, So yeah. And it just, I plugged it in and it just worked. It was Mm -hmm. flawless. The only game in my collection, Warcraft worked really well. The only game I haven't gotten to work is MechWarrior 2. Oh, and it's that's only a weird because... one anyway, because there are Eight? three distinct yes. binaries for <laughs> MechWarrior 2. One of them is yep. a DOS-based. One of them is a Windows 95-based. The other is a Windows 95 with hardware acceleration that was based around ATI 3D Rage. Yes. So... <laughs> Here's the extent to which I do have some retro I, cred. Thank you. Yes, there you go. No, here's the extent to which I got stupid with this. I ended up seeking out a laptop that has an ATI Rage card that's compatible from 1999. It's a Dell. I got a Dell laptop, uh-huh. and it's this big chunky thing with an actual GPU you can remove <laughs> and pop a new one wow. in. Which is kind of cool. <laughs> I kind of like this. And I was able to get I was able to get MechWarrior working. I'm nice. I'm in the middle. I gotta find an um I'm gonna buy another DOS dude IDE drive. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've seen those. Yes. Yeah. Where he's <laughs> excuse me, he's remaking flash drives, mm-hmm. but with an IDE interface, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, we we did have for a while, some SSDs that were straight up IDE interfaces. Um, mm-hmm. they, they started becoming popular with with laptop modders and things like that. Um, yeah. And uh, it, and if you know the Compact Flash standard, that is just the yes. the two point five inch standard with with six pins removed. Uh, right. And so a lot of times you could just plug a Compact Flash card into a laptop especially if you have like an older one like a 1998 and then you get a brand new 166 speed cf card it's faster than most (laughs) mechanical drives so it's great it's fantastic i mean i know there's concerns about like wear leveling and stuff like that like some certain parts of the os might not driver yeah right exactly (laughs) my big thing about um the dos dude drive which i think is super neat is that it behaves like a regular hard drive Mm -hmm to the operating system. So yeah. I end up with all these, like anything that's checking your drive, like it, it all seems to work flawlessly. Uh-huh. I haven't tried it in Amiga yet, but it's it's handled Linux, it's handled Mac, and it's handled uh, it's handled DOS, and it's it's been fine for me. Nice. So I'm a fan. I think it's a pretty good deal. Very cool. All right, we've yeah, got about... This... This Lutris thing is cool. Yes. Oh, sorry. I, I'm very much looking forward to it. No, 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 that's okay. Yeah, it's super neat. Uh, so we have about 15 or 20 minutes left. Uh, I think we're going to just open up for some questions. So if anyone has any questions, literally any hardware from the last 40 years, I think we're pretty much good to cover. I didn't bring my VIC-20 up, but yeah. I got one of those. Nice. I'm yeah, yeah I, I don't have a VIC-20. I don't have a Commodore 64. I do have a Mac Color Classic and a hmm. 2GS. Um, Ooh. I still have a, uh, it's a really cool little PC. It's about this big 
about that long. Um, it is a Pentium 233 MMX with two PCI slots. And uh, okay. so you can install, and it, oh, and it also has a four megabyte S3 Verge on board. And so okay. if, if you wanted to hook up uh, a Voodoo 3, if you wanted to hook up, uh, you know, an early ATI Rage card or an, and a Sound Blaster and things like that. So you get full, like, DOS, Windows 3, Windows 95, Windows 98 compatibility all in one little, you know, ITX basically styles package. That's super cool. So really cool PC. I really like that one. Uh, and then I've got a couple. I've I've got like a Pentium Four floating around. I've got a couple like that. So, ooh, somebody's talking about an ENIAC in in the comments. Ooh, the ENIAC. That I I come from a long line of mainframers. So <laughs> like including some some Univac vets. So. ENIAC takes me way, way back. Yes. Uh, from Exploding Lemur, question, what are your thoughts or tips on newly produced accelerators like Bali's Mac accelerators or Terrible Fire's Amiga accelerators? So that is the, the new uh, yep. coprocessors, basically. I, yeah. I haven't tried any of the Bali stuff, so I can't really speak to it. I do have a Terrible Fire uh, um, 68030 in my uh amiga 500 right now it's it's pretty slick it's it basically it it i can run on my 500 nearly anything i could do on the 1200 save anything that needs the 1200s graphics mm -hmm. um so that's that's about all i can do but um i mainly use the 500 for gaming at this point and then I use the 1200 for productivity, which sounds insane, but I, I use the 1200 as a music thing. Mm -hmm. So I, the 1200 for the music that I make for the channel is becoming an integral part of the workflow. And I'm trying to get better with a tracker. Mm -hmm. That's my, that's my goal with it. Um, I've been eyeing up a terrible fire card for the 1200 too. Just, it, it would enable me to do just about anything under the sun with it. The only thing is I can't find a, like, what is it? A 68060. It's, it's not going to happen. That's yeah. unobtainium at this point. Yeah. I'm not spending like $2,000 on an accelerator card at this point. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way about some of the vintage hardware that I want. Like, I, I would mm -hmm. love uh, a, a Voodoo 5000. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not going to go spend, you know, $800 for an original. No. I'm not going to go spend $1,500 on a Voodoo 5500, uh, one of the, the new new make ones. Like, they're really freaking cool. I would so right. love my collection. But, like, at this point, my collection budget is, like, maybe $100 a month. And, oh, uh, sure. No, I'm with you. you right. You've got other things you're doing right now. i got other right things now. I'm doing. Uh, like, <laughs> I, I, I just added this to my collection. That's the uh, the Radeon 7. I finally got a hold of it. Oh, um, there you go. And it, it's one of the one of the graphics cards I've always wanted to have. Uh, I've I've got uh, a GTX 690 now. I've got okay. I've, I've got quite a few others, and it's like yeah, that, like it's the first seven nanometer graphics card. It's the first seven nanometer consumer <laughs> part ever. I needed one. Yeah. Is it worth it now? Hell no. It was still three hundred dollars. Like like <laughs> anything today at three hundred dollars will blow it away. But I I needed it. Uh, and if you can find something cool to do with it, even if that something cool is just to like be inspired by it, that's mm -hmm. worth something. Totally. You know, like 
I picked up a um, Macintosh SE and uh-huh. I fixed it up and I got it. I got it functional. I installed um, System 7 on it and I uh-huh. got SimCity working on it and did some other cool stuff. Nice. And like, am I going to use it every day? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. It's a black and white Mac. It's a compact Mac. It's not going to run too many it's games a that I could CRT run with on. 512 by 384. No, yeah. I'm not going to run. <laughs> but. But it's inspiring to look at because I remember the feeling I had seeing them in the computer lab. Uh-huh. And it that was my motivation behind like getting a two I bought a two GS from an estate sale last year. And okay. that and that's a way to do it, by the way. You yes. gotta like look for the own like a lot of this vintage stuff, mm-hmm. the owners, now their children are selling this stuff and they're willing to give it to or practically give it yeah. to somebody who is willing to take it and love it the way that their parents right, did. Right. So for like, that's how I got a 2GS mm-hmm. for a very good deal because yeah. I was talking to the kids and the kids were like, we don't want to just scalp it. We want it to go to somebody who's actually going to appreciate it. Right. I was like, that's me. <laughs> Let me do it. And we managed to work out a deal. That's it's so much of this stuff. It's if it inspires you, yeah, that's good enough. Yep. Yeah. No, I I, just, I, I still I just, am looking for my two original computers. So I, I had uh, the first computer that was mine was a Macintosh LC2. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I want one of those. Uh, and y- you can find I think them. somebody has one locally. Yeah. I think somebody's um, got one locally. I just saw it post up on Craigslist. Yeah. Uh, the other computer that I want, I, I've accepted as pretty much unobtainium. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it is a, an, I know the exact model too. It is a compact Presario CDTV 520. Um, it is an all-in-one mm-hmm. 12 inch, uh, 800 by 600, 486 DX2. Uh, <laughs> they came with about four megabytes of RAM. They could go all the mm-hmm. way to, I think, 24 megs of RAM. Um, it had a floppy and a CD drive uh, built into the front of it. It had really nice speakers on the front, but it, it was you know sure. a nice little compact all-in-one unit. And that was my first PC. That's there's another special thing about it though. The model name CDTV. It, came, mm-hmm. it had a CD drive. It had a TV tuner in the back. Oh, okay. And Windows cool. 3.1. It had TV input. <laughs> That's fantastic. It was the coolest freaking cool. thing ever. I want one. <laughs> that is so neat. I did not even know that, that feature that is one of I it. will put bounty money on. <laughs> like, yeah. Like if you find you me go. one, I I will pay. So uh, now, what's funny about it is, I think I already have a, a an alert for CDTV because of Amiga. Okay, yeah. So, like, there's the CDT, which is not the thing you're talking about. So, if I see one, I'll I'll let you know. Yeah, uh, they also came in a CDS variant, which was just the CD-ROM okay. variant. So there's like a CD five twelve, a CD five sixteen, mm-hmm. uh, CD five twenty two, but yeah, the CDTV five twenty is the one that I want. <laughs> That sounds so cool. That sounds anything in that realm, though. Like, yes. that sounds fantastic. Yeah. I, I, one of the things about old hardware is it can just be so inspiring to like see how they like cobbled together mm-hmm. something just so basic into something that like actually changed lives. And yeah. like, I got the Commodore sixty four. There are people who ran entire like 
multi-million dollar businesses off of a Commodore 64. Right. Like it isn't nothing. Right. Even I, though it only has 64 kilobytes of RAM. I, I started this channel because at 11 years old, I got given a couple of 386 PCs that were mine that yeah. I could take apart and put back together. And, and I was hooked ever since then. So mm -hmm. that's it's why I did what I did for 15 years. It's why I do what I do now. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, no, it's it's so cool. Let's see. We got a couple more. Uh, sorry, scrolling up. We missed some here. Uh, let me just find a random one. Any expertise with IBM RISC 6000 systems? Difficult to find <gasps> documentation. Ooh. Okay, so a little bit of working on like the RS 6000. I actually have an RS 6000 case in my basement right now <laughs> without the rest of the computer. Um, the, uh, I, I haven't actually, so that was a little before my time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I haven't run across a working one, but I did see a completely dead one in a server room that looked like it had completely overheated. So it's it's it was as though the fans took in so much gunk without anybody ever cleaning them and like it just locked up. Yeah. And um, so I haven't actually gotten to work on one directly but I will say there's some really cool stuff you can do with emulation around, um, if you want to go older than that with IBM, mm -hmm. uh, the Hercules emulator is still a good one and it does a lot oh, of yeah. cool stuff. Oh, I forgot um, about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's super neat if you want to like actually try mainframing by yourself and mm -hmm. you know see how it works. <laughs> Otherwise you can do some um, QEMU stuff around PowerPC IBM stuff, but like you're going to run into problems because IBM vendor locks so much of their stuff that like yeah. emulating it is very challenging. S same thing and with uh, with Sun and Solaris. Uh, if, oh, if you're getting yeah, into that, Sun kind of is, yeah. Mm. Uh, I did like have, anything Arc. I, I've had a couple Sun Ultra 45s walk through Ooh. my workshop, and uh, so okay. I've, I, I've I've had my my time with those. Those were fun. <laughs> I recently, um, so I have a, like an AS400 in the basement mm -hmm. being a COBOL developer. It's kind of part of it. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's nerdy and like, it doesn't, it, there's, there's Telnet and that's still a thing. And there's all kinds of like pieces to it. Um, it's interesting and it can be completely useless unless you plan on making a career in legacy systems, which, you know, like I know I saw one of the comments was about COBOL compilers and like learning it on Linux. Mm -hmm. By far your best option there, because you'll pay nothing for it, is the GNU COBOL compiler because it's open source. You can usually install it right from the package manager. Um, it's it's packaged in Debian and Ubuntu and the derivatives. So so that one's usually a pretty good one. And I know it's on Arch. I installed it on Arch once. Um, not sure about Fedora, but it's usually if if it's not in there, I'm sure there's a repo for it. Um, but GNU COBOL is fantastic, and it's a great way to get started if you're interested in COBOL because mm -hmm. there's no cost. Any other compiler, you're going to be spending thousands of dollars just to get one if they even sell it to you yeah. if you're an individual they might just never return your calls i'm still waiting on ibm so <laughs> ibm if you're listening call me yeah yeah good good luck on my channel ibm doesn't call me either 
It's like I don't want to be sponsored by too like I don't seek out a sponsorship from too many people, but like IDM. Right. Call me. I, I, I have a couple where it's like, no, we should do business together. Like Yeah, yeah. like like I, I'm I'm doing COBOL stuff and like I wanna do a COBOL video about your product, but mm -hmm. I need you to send me your product. Right. So like right. Yeah, we, we can make this work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Uh let's see. Uh, try looking in thrift stores for that compact computer. The thing it was, it was a yeah. fairly low volume computer. And I, living in Oregon, there's, we don't have the largest of tech centers. Like I know we're home to Intel. Intel's campus is an hour from my house. Mm -hmm. um, and there have been some pretty amazing gets on like Craigslist from things that have been like test PCs that have been discarded. Where in 2006, I got a dual CPU Xeon based on late socket 604, early core two duo uh, CPUs with CPUs and memory and graphics cards in a Chenbro case and a thousand watt power supply for like 200 bucks. Like, that's those deals are out there the problem mm -hmm. is when it comes to like enthusiast stuff or even like general consumer stuff there's not a lot here uh so you know we might occasionally come across you know a mac se30 or you know sure. some random pentium 4 that someone thinks is is worth its weight in gold because it happens yeah. to have yeah. you know an x1600 in it or something <laughs> <sighs> Gosh, yeah. I live in the land of mech, so yeah. like it's it's we very much benefit from the Silicon Prairie. Yeah, and there's all kind like between all the Apple distributors that were here. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not anymore, but right. you know, we used to be the the go to place in Minnesota. Yeah, and then between that and um, just the 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 massive investment we had seems like at least in early computing at the school level um there's lots of stuff we come across like mm -hmm. it's it's yeah i i i don't have a hard time finding things one of the problems is finding things that somebody properly has priced you know somebody yeah. will be like oh here's a macintosh se30 mm -hmm. you can turn it into an aquarium eight hundred dollars yeah and it's like <laughs> You can turn it into an aquarium. Eight hundred dollars. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the problem around here. Is everyone thinks they have gold around here, and yeah. and it's literally e waste. Uh, yeah, we have we have people trying to sell like fifteen year old graphics cards for the retail price they were fifteen years ago. And, oh yeah, and of it's course. like there's not a vintage market for those even. Like like <laughs> yeah, congratulations, you have a ninety eight hundred or ninety six hundred GT, just like mm -hmm. everyone else from that day. Yes. <laughs> I'll give you 20 bucks. Mm. No, the, oh, the, I, they're asking like somebody, $175. It's like... <laughs> I had, what was it? An NVIDIA 960, which isn't uh -huh. anything. Yeah, yeah. Like it's nothing. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> and, and I had it. Uh -huh. And I I like threw it on, on, a, on a bulletin board. You know, like, uh -huh. hey, does anybody want this? And somebody was like, you shouldn't be doing this. You can get like 200 bucks for that. And I'm like, can you? I don't think like you can list it for that. That doesn't mean right. you should. Doesn't mean that. people are buying. And and yeah, even at like, its 
even at the peak of the market, I would have a hard time spending two hundred dollars on a nine sixty during the crypto crisis. Because right. Yeah. Exactly. Nine sixty was a two gig card, unless you had the four gig variant. But even the four gig variant was like it, it's not great. No. And a ten fifty Ti is a better buy. Uh, yeah, like I, I'm pretty sure I. Buy. I'm pretty sure I bought that card on discount somewhere for like like maybe seventy eighty dollars. Right, and you know, yeah, like, I, I think it was a hundred and sixty dollar card new. Uh, yeah, like yeah. I I bought it I bought it near the end. Like it was one of those things where like I needed a card not because I wanted the game, but because I needed something for like a really specific program. Like I was doing CAD or something. Uh -huh. I don't even remember. Right, and I needed a card that could run this. So I'm like, fine, I'll buy the cheapest one I can do. Right, and like. People being people saying like I should try to make a profit on it is just stupid. Like yeah. no, yeah. nobody because I won't actually sell it for that. People aren't really buying it; they're just listing it. Yep. Yep. But yeah, no. There, there's a reason I don't do more vintage content on my channel, and it's because there's nothing around me. I would love to do you know Craigslist shopping and and find all mm -hmm. these weird you know esoteric or you know put together budget systems. You know, do do the uh, the Tech Yes City get on Gumtree and and put together yeah. a gaming PC for 150 bucks. People are selling a. a you know, 9600 GT for 150 bucks around here. Like, that's just the used market I live in. And so if, if it doesn't exist on eBay or sometimes Facebook Marketplace, it literally doesn't exist for me. So I it's 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 ridiculous. The one splurge I did recently is I actually bought myself a recapped refreshed Amiga 1200. And it's mainly because they're like impossible to find in the States. Uh -huh. And at least they're impossible to find around me, it seems like. Yeah. So I. I I, I, that's my, that was my one like splurge and I, I bought that. It didn't need anything. I didn't have to recap anything. There was nothing wrong with it. Nice. I just bought it and loved it. Well, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have a handheld 386 to play yes. with. Yes. So. That's so exciting. <laughs> I can't wait to see what you do with it. That'll be cool. I, I will let you know how it goes. And like I said, uh, we, we might work out a loan program where you could at least check it I out. I would love that. Do a video and all that kind of fun stuff. So It would be fantastic. I appreciate that. Well, Veronica, thank you so much for being on the show. I know, Absolutely. I, I know it was, was a little late notice, but uh, thank you very much. It worked out. It was totally fine. It was wonderful to be here. And thanks to everybody for the comments. I, I've been trying to read as we talk. It's 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 pretty good. Yes. <laughs> Lots of Cobalt chat in, in, the, yes, in the chat. Yes, I saw that. that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you haven't subscribed to Veronica's channel, uh, links down in the video description. Also where to find her on social media. Make sure to like this video, subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. And if you want to support the channel, check out craftcomputing.store. Give yourself a rocks glass, some whiskey stones, a coaster, and a whole bunch more uh, with more merch every single month. So uh, check back often. Uh, Veronica, anything good of the order? Anything you want to plug before we go? Um, new t-shirts uh, that I'm, I sell right. nerdy t-shirts. I'm wearing my three, two, one backup shirt right now. There's, there's enough backups for everybody. So that looks like something <laughs> out of the Epos Vox wardrobe and I love it. Yes, it's very inspired <laughs> by that. And I, I just added another one that says test your backups in the form of a, a ransom note because nice. don't be held hostage to untested backups. I like it. <laughs> I, I, I'm definitely a fan of your uh, your five six eight B. Also, I've I've got, yes. I've got one of those. Oh, so. that's that's a classic shirt from my channel. I, I like that yes. one. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, any networking thanks video for, that I do, I usually wear that one. So. Yes, it's great. <laughs> anyway, thank you all so much for joining. Uh, and uh, also make sure to join the Patreon. You'll get exclusive access to the Discord server. You can chat with myself and all the other hosts from Talking Heads and join the even more super secret after party, which we'll be joining here in probably about 20 minutes where we video chat with everyone else. And uh, Veronica, you're more than welcome to join if you uh, if you feel you want to, so. I, yep, thanks. Um, it is a school night it's, though, so. It's a school night <laughs> for me. So I, I don't know if I have time tonight, but. I appreciate it and thank you. It's it's been a lot of fun tonight. You're welcome. All right. So thank you all so much for joining. And as always, we will see you next week. Cheers, everyone. Bye. And we're out. Okay.